Welcome to Conversational Commerce. Each week, we'll be having real and raw conversations with operators and experts in e-commerce, all about what conversational commerce means to them. I'm your host, Stephanie Griffith. Let's jump in. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Postscript. There are other SMS solutions out there, but Postscript is hands down our favorite SMS tool for e-commerce brands using Shopify and Shopify Plus. They work with some of our favorite brands like Olipop, Brooklinen, Kapari, and thousands of others. And sure, they are our sponsor for this show. Thanks, Postscript! But we love them for many other reasons. Postscript is the leader empowering brands to have two-way conversations with their customers using conversational commerce. They have integrations with your favorite platforms like Gorgeous and Klaviyo, so your brand can be truly conversational. Most importantly, their customer support is next level. I've worked with brands that use Postscript and have been blown away by their customer support. It's no wonder they have over 1,400 reviews and are rated 4.9 stars in the Shopify App Store. For a free 30-day trial, check out our link in the show notes or visit them at postscript.io. Again, that's postscript.io. Hey folks, welcome back to Conversational Commerce. We are so excited to be here with Ben Parr, who is the co-founder and president at Octane AI. Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, glad to be here. (laughs) Thank you so much. Can you tell us a little bit more about your role at Octane AI and what is Octane for our listeners out there that might not be familiar? My role is president and co-founder, but to give you like Octane, we are the zero-party data collection platform and marketing platform for Shopify and e-commerce. And what that means is we've built the best set of tools possible to collect data directly from customers using things like our shop quiz and our conversational pop-ups, and then use that data and give you ways to utilize that data to increase your revenue and personalize the shopping experience across email, across SMS, across ads. For a lot of our customers, they generate like 30, 40, 50% more revenue, and we're helping them build a more personalized experience and conversation between themselves and their customers across the entire customer journey. I heard such good things about the platform. I have shopped from brands that have leveraged your shop quizzes, and I really think you hit the nail on the head about the importance of driving that conversation. Of course, that ties really nicely back to why we're here on this show, talking about conversational commerce. So something we really like to do is ask all of our guests at the beginning of our conversations of, from your standpoint and also from Octane AI's standpoint, what does conversational commerce mean to you and how is that interwoven into everything you're building at Octane AI? For some history, Octane AI started out as a chatbot company over Facebook Messenger years ago, mm. right? We did it for Maroon 5 and like Rick Ross and all the celebrities, and I have whole many stories. But uh, <laughs> And we help facilitate conversations between customers and brands over Messenger, but we actually realized, one, that it was e-commerce that was really leveraging our software in a way that was driving real results, and two, that a lot of them were hacking our original product to do these conversations on their website. They would like embed Messenger on their website so they could do a quiz. And we're like, why are you doing this? And we found out the reason was because they really wanted to have this conversational experience on the site, but it was really hard to build. It cost a lot of money. didn't have a lot. Like Even if you built it, it cost a lot of money to update it constantly. And it didn't have the capability to leverage the data at all. We built the platform pieces to go and do that. And I think of like a quiz. So like 
Shop Quiz lets you build a really dynamic and beautiful quiz. It's a quiz builder, the best one in Shopify. And it really is just basically a conversation on the website. You're asking questions directly of customers and they're giving and they're volunteering information, the most valuable information, not just like what they purchased, but what their intent is, what their size is, what their allergies are, information that can really create a much more personalized experience, the kind of information you get when they come actually in store. And so mm-hmm. leveraging that information, you know, like makes for like an actual conversation. And then you can continue that conversation afterwards because if you talk to somebody in the store, they will, re- when they email you, they will remember, they should remember that context in the past. Brands have not traditionally done that because they don't save that data. They don't have the capability to personalize with that. We've built that entire piece. So you could like send some of this zero party data into Clavio to make a much more personalized, like first set of emails that come. And what we've seen mm-hmm. is like, if you do that, you can, like, we had one customer, I think Hunter and Gather, they increased their revenue from their email flows by 280% by doing this. Holy smokes. Like, there's, there's, there's some ridiculous numbers that are, are possible. Like, you know, for some customers, half of their revenue comes from Octane AI and from the improvements to their email and SMS flows that come from that. Amazing. I think you hit on a lot of key components there. And these are some themes that we're really hearing throughout these conversations is that it is truly about architecting a conversation between brands and their the people that make up their customer base. Um, and I love that you touched on the importance of kind of trying to bridge that gap between the, the in-store experience with the online experience, because I think that's where e-commerce historically has not failed, but has tried to mimic that. You could say failed, but like, look, <laughs> it's been attempted, but yeah. it's never fulfilled the vision of like what mm. true deep personalization would look like. True deep personalization right. will look like that every interaction you have across the web will be tailored to you and your needs and like understanding you and not, you know, mm-hmm. like it knows very simply like you have a cat or you have a dog. So I try to sell you cat food if you only own a dog. But like you can right. get more in depth with that and like, you know, be mm-hmm. proactive in its recommendations. Yeah, no, I think that's such a key component for sure. And something we we talked with um, Bell Geisler from Clavio about is that consumers now have this expectation that if they are providing their information, especially at the granular level that I think Octane AI allows brands to collect this information, consumers have an expectation that it, that it should be leveraged in a way that is useful and valuable and feels really personal to them. Because as you said, so something, something we've talked about on the show in the past is just because it's personalized doesn't mean it's actually personal. So you can pull in my first name, sure, or you can have, you know, some really basic demographic information and still miss that mark of sending, you know, sending me, I get this from brands that I am a, a loyal purchaser of, of I've only ever purchased women's products. And yet I get emails where it's like women's, men's and kids. And I'm like, that doesn't feel very tailored to me. It very much, you know, feels like you're just sending it out. Even though I am a loyal purchaser, you have all of this information on me, but it's not actually meeting that expectation. Um, and it doesn't feel like a conversation. So I think the key there is like, enabling brands to ask to actually open up that dialogue with um, the people visiting their websites or, you know, with returning customers to say, hey, we want to learn more about you. Here's, you know, why we want to learn that. And we're going to leverage it in a way that feels really valuable to you. Would you say that that's like a pretty core tenant of what you guys are are trying to achieve? I mean, I should just let you say, like, you just should just (laughs) said what, what I would have normally said. So I really appreciate that. 
Uh, all I was thinking in my head, like, the thing I was thinking in my head was, like, getting those emails are like, hello, name. I know you're busy, but as a co-host of X and Y, you must really need SDR outbound services, you know? <laughs> uh, and you're just like, that's not personalization. That's let me bash my head into a wall. Versus, like, if the Ad-libs, first email, right? Have, yeah. Right. Because, like, like, we have a lot of customers where, like, the first email is going to be, like, your customized bundle or your the like top products we have for dry skin or lashes mm. for beginners because you can collect the thing is is that the different one big difference is this is directly volunteered information like they're going to like people love to in these guided shopping experiences because most of the time mm. they don't actually know what they're looking for most people like are first timers when it comes to like lashes or don't know what skincare routine they need and so mm-hmm. they want some guidance being like okay help me with what skincare routine i need and i will go and buy it and so if you have and you give that experience, customers just are much more willing to buy in like the AOV that you get from quizzes, like customers who go through a quiz or a guided shopping experience goes up by like 20, 30 percent on average. Mm, amazing, because I'm sure they just have such a higher confidence in, oh, I feel like I've actually, you know, self-selected into the right product line for me. The risk is a lot lower, especially when you can't, I think skincare is such a perfect example. And and when I talk to clients or I talk about what Octane AI does, skincare is such a good one because everyone's skin is so, so different and so unique. And when you're staring at, you know, makeup choices online or cleansers or moisturizers or whatever it is, and you don't really know, or, or you can't physically go into like a, let's say a Sephora or an Ulta or the, the retailer, the brand that sells it to try it out. You're like, Ooh, I don't want to make the wrong decision. Like skincare is usually not the cheapest product line to purchase. So I really love this emphasis on, hey, how do we make it feel more? How do we make these purchasers feel more confident in what they're buying? And that when they get those follow up communications, it's actually reinforcing that and saying, hey, we've got you. We've got this information. It is personal to you. So I really love that. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, it's um, works not even just in beauty, though. Like, you know, you could have mm-hmm. one product and it'll work really well because, you know, the example I like to give is if you have a teeth whitener and mm-hmm. you ask questions like, do you drink coffee, do you smoke, etc.? Then the pitch and the website and the emails can be personalized around that pitch, right? So if you're a smoker, you they can talk about the specific things it does for your teeth. And, like, there's so, like... You don't have to have a giant pile of products for it to work really well. And everyone for absolutely, I'm sure, I know we'll talk about it, but everyone who has a pop-up should switch to a conversational pop-up because they just, it's stupid how much, how easy they are and how much better they convert the traditional pop-ups by Mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah, we'll definitely touch on conversational pop-ups because I I also believe that that can be so impactful and so powerful. But I want to dial it back just a, a little bit too of something you mentioned. So you don't just ha- you don't have to have necessarily many products, but I am curious, like what types of brands, what what types of product lines are you seeing most often take advantage um, of Octane AI and some of the features there? Is it for everyone? Is it not for everyone? It's definitely for everyone, but there's mm. categories that are more traditionally use these kind of guide experiences and data collection pieces in their businesses. Beauty is obviously one. Fashion, mm-hmm. anything with a large like taste and profile. So food, mm-hmm. health, baby, there's a lot of different kinds of categories like that. But, you know, yeah. I see everything from like electronics to music to photography as well. You know, mm-hmm. anything where there's like, you know, obviously anything where there's some decision making, it helps a mm-hmm. lot. But there's never a time and there's never a business where collecting your own data and becoming less reliant on Facebook is a bad idea. 
Mm. Yeah, my mind instantly goes to like, so I'm, I've been dialing back my alcohol consumption, but I do love wine. And I think wine is such a personal thing for a lot of people, um, depending on their flavor preferences, et cetera. So I think that's a category that my mind in- instantly jumps to of like different flavor notes. Like, do you like coffee? Do you like dirt? Do you like minerality, et cetera? So I think that's really interesting. But I would love to talk a little bit more about what you said on not relying on other people's data, especially platforms like Facebook. Um, I think a lot of conversation um, in recent months, and especially with what you folks are building, is on the importance of zero-party data and first-party data instead of relying on that third-party data. Could you break that down a little bit for us and what the differences are? Yeah, so some definitions, hopefully. Uh, third-party data, that's that's data you're borrowing from other sources. They're aggregators. They're tracking people across a bunch of things. There's often not a lot of opt-in ad platforms, a bunch of others, you know, that's your third-party data sources. You never own it. You don't control it. If they decide to remove it from you, you don't have access to it. Mm. First-party data, that's data that you are tracking on your own customers. So it's behavior. So that's things like purchases, their past history, what they clicked on, Google Analytics, Shopify admin, things like that. Zero-party data is directly volunteer data. It's the data you get from people answering questions in particular. So the core of any zero-party data marketing is asking questions. So that's what the data you get from a quiz. That's the data you get from a conversational pop-up or a survey. And that data is the most valuable kind of data because it is intent, preferences, other kinds of like detailed information that there is no other way to collect except for direct conversation. Mm, I love that. And I think until this moment, I'm like really having like an epiphany right now. I've never thought about it, but really zero party data is basically conversational data, right? It's all about asking and getting people to answer those questions. So I think that is the key component there of like, you're not just, you know, tracking someone around your own site or especially using cookies, you know, or third party tracking to track them elsewhere around the web, which I think marketers and consumers have gotten so used to and, you know, have gotten a little bit lazy and relying on that. And we're trying to bring that back and say, no, no, no. If you want good, clean, usable data on your, you know, the people, you need to start that conversation and ask for those data points and then use them in really powerful ways. So I'm glad that you you really like sum that up so nicely. <laughs> it's true conversational commerce. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, and I think that's a perfect segue for us to talk about how brands can leverage, you know, especially a platform like Octane AI to capture that through something that you guys have called conversational pop-ups. So give us the spiel. What are conversational pop-ups and why are they important in capturing this conversational data? So traditional pop-ups, they think, okay, I like, again, the comparison to in the real world. Imagine walking to the store, someone walks right up to you. It's like, hey, give me your email and I'll give you 10% off be like what's going on and that's like the what the pop-up is traditionally it doesn't make sense like that that would be the first interaction it doesn't provide any direct value to the user or the customer so a conversational pop-up said instead is like a quiz within a pop-up it provides a value it first asks a question like what are you looking for what can i help you with or what's your what flavor are you looking for and then it will ask for an email or a phone number in particular, to send you results or send you personalized. And then the pop-up itself can actually show results within the pop-up of like, here's like, you know, you said you have a cat or a dog. Here's like, you're like the top cat food that we have, the top dog food we have. So one, 
you have now like collected a zero party data point when you collected zero before. The second is instead of a two to four percent conversion rate, which is the average for a pop up, a regular pop up, we see 15, 20, 25 percent, usually a 4x increase in, in email opt in. Mm-hmm. And in fact, like sometimes like a third of all people who go and see these conversational pop ups will interact with it in some way compared to again, two to five percent of uh, normal pop ups. And then one out of six people who see the results page will buy a product from that results page within the pop-up. And so it's a really straightforward way to forex the amount of emails you collect. This is why, like I was saying before, it's just a no-brainer. We had like one customer mm-hmm. just tweet out like, yeah, they used to have one and a half percent conversion rate. They switched to conversational pop-ups. They got a seven and a half percent conversion rate of collecting emails. It's like, and that's what you need to do with zero part. Right. And you need to do that now because it costs more to do retargeting. It costs more to do ads. You need to up the conversion rate of your email collection and your SMS collection to as high as possible the first time they arrive. And quizzes and conversational pop-ups just have better conversion rates and just have better email collection rates. I love that. And I think, yeah, for folks that don't know, because I am on the, the email side, the industry standard is like, is one, it is around one, one to three percent, like three percent being like a pretty high capture rate for most standard traditional pop-ups and overlays. And that's not great. <laughs> even, even good ones. Like that's actually, that's not fantastic. Like think of all the traffic, of course, that's coming to people's sites that's missing those or, or just immediately closing them. Because like you said, if it was a real life experience, that would feel very off putting. And I'm so glad you phrased it that way. Like, hey, if someone were to come up to you in real life or in a store, you'd be like, oh, what, what are you doing? Because in our conversation with Val Geisler, she had this great framework of like, something we often forget as marketers is that we're people marketing and trying to talk to other people. So if you, she's like, just take a pause and like try to, to put the thing in like a real life scenario. So we joked about like doing like Saturday Night Live, like marketing skits where you have like someone that's a big pop up coming up to a person in a store because it, it just, it's ridiculous, right? Like in real life, you'd be mm-hmm. like, get away from me. Just hand me the coupon. Like don't, you know, you don't need to come up and ask for my, my information before I've even walked in, gotten the lay of the land of the, the storefront or, or had a chance to like, you know, assess my surroundings before giving you some of my very personal information without knowing what's in it for me. Was that your Halloween costume, by the way? You just dressed up as a giant pop-up? Um, it wasn't, but clearly next year, um, hashtag, I'm going to need to be sponsored by Octane AI. I will go as a conversational pop-up. <laughs> I never thought about the idea of uh, sponsoring a bunch of <laughs> costumes around the country as a marketing tactic, but now that I think about it, you know, if anyone is listening out there, they're like, I, I will, I will be happy to pay a few bucks to wear a costume around for Halloween. You know, you could DM me, maybe if there's something we can do. Right? It's like the new version of the, uh, like the spinning sign people or like the wacky, wacky waving inflatable folks. Obviously, a little joking, a little bit, but for real, like when you try to put some of these these situations in the framework of real life happening between people, is it makes you laugh because it seems ridiculous it's probably not a great marketing tactic because it's missing out on that human element, which is all of it, which is what conversational commerce is trying to achieve. That human interpersonal conversation, of course, to help drive commerce. Yes, but we want it to be much more like a conversation or an interaction between friends or trusted sources. Yeah. Make everything. It's as simple as just compare to what the real life situation would look like. Right. Instead of just like you're begging for an email address, provide some value. And then that's the other one. Provide some value for first. 
provide some value in some way. Like a quiz provides the value of, let me give you a recommendation, a skincare consultation, you know, that provides value to the customer. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not, it's interesting. I think some folks I wonder might be surprised to hear of the increased conversion rate or the increased sign up rate for something like this. Cause it's like, Oh, like, you know, it's just a quiz. Like, but I think especially our generation growing up with online quizzes, like so many of those Buzzfeed quizzes of like, you know, what, what star sign are you? Or like, what Harry Potter house do you belong to? I think there's this natural, Ooh, you want, it's a fun, like gamified type of uh, situation, even if it is, you know, it's not meant to be a game, but it feels like that. And then if you actually want that information to be sent to you, um, there's got to be some sort of like consumer behavior psychology behind. Yes. I want to give my email because I'm going to receive, you know, my personalized quiz results. And it really seems to work um, as evidenced by the data you guys have. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ben, Ben want to jump in and ask kind of conversational commerce question, but more about Octane AI. What feature or part of your app are people not using enough? The answer to that one's easy. It is there's not enough people that are leveraging the integrations to send the data into a place like Clavio to personalize. So a lot of people use the quiz. I am here to preempt. Not trying to, but it's the correct, it's the answer. The, we have a lot of quizzes, but not enough are sending the data in and using it in their email. Like Doe Lashes, you know, for example, didn't do it for a while. We worked with them to do this. Reference the results in the first email. In their quiz, for example, they ask what your favorite cartoon is. It's their clever way of figuring out what your age is. Reference that in one of the emails of your welcome series by doing a little bit of stuff. And it doesn't take a lot. My co-founder, Matt, even wrote a detailed guide on how to optimize your Clavia with this data. Delashes did this. Their welcome series grew in 30% of revenue. Like this is the same thing that Hunter and Gather did. That's That helped them increase their revenue from their flows by 230% by mm. leveraging, collecting this data in their quiz, but also leveraging it in their email flows. It's not being done anywhere near enough. And we're coming out with new integrations all the time. We just came out with a recharge integration. I will say that we have a new Zapier integration. So now you can send that data into a hundred different places or a thousand different places to leverage for all sorts of different things. And we have a bunch of more direct integrations coming out in the new year and in the next couple of months to help you leverage that data for personalization across all your marketing channels. But use it, put in your email, do it now, do it yesterday. Do it more. That's what we're really trying to like have more of our customers do because we know if you do it, you print money and everyone does email. <laughs> yes, I think that's, I love that. So it's not just... Do you like money printers? There you go. It's, so it's not just, hey, we're capturing this data because, I, and I think that's a lot of the times, even historically, kind of that fallacy that marketers have found themselves in of like, we have all this, we have all this data. We have so much data, which is true. But I think... And I can, we're going to hear that, that failure term again. I think we failed at appropriately using that data, especially if it's messy or to your point, if you're not, you know, you guys are making it really easy to collect the data, to use it to print money, but only if you set up the appropriate channels to then leverage that data. So I know you guys integrate, of course, with folks like Clavio and I think Postscript as well. So what are, what is that kind of? architecture look like? How are brands kind of taking advantage just beyond email to personalize and really mature other marketing communications and channels as well? 
So let me give the Clave example because that's definitely our most popular integration. You and like again, I, I will hopefully we'll put a link. I'll put whatever, but like there's a guide on our blog on blog.octania.com of like how to leverage this data for Clavio personalization because mm. super simple ones like uh, dynamic text, right? Like not just reference name, but you can reference in the title in the subject line like the main product or their main concern if you ask that question in the title of the first email that you send out. That alone will vastly increase the open rate of like your first email to that customer. But then, you know, for example, they'll leverage the data to be a dynamic block to be like, here's a product recommendation based on this, like based on your an- your number one answer in your conversational pop-up. Or they'll like do a branching, like, you know, we have one customer that does a branching of, do you work out a lot or not? If you work out a lot, they'll give just a workout routine. If they don't, they'll give you a nutrition one. So they'll like branch out based on like your behavior. And you could just do this all like you could send this data all into Clavio and go and do it. And like I could get into the technical specifics, but it's pretty straightforward if you've played around with Clavio. And I know Clavio is a crazy beast, but that's like the simple way to go and do it. In SMS, you would do the same kind of thing. And it's even easier because you just like would reference in the first text, like, you know, dog owner, cat owner, dry skin, oily skin, boy, girl, baby, whatever it is. And that will just increase the conversion rate of everything you do, the open, the click, the whole thing. Thank you so much for breaking that down. I've, I've seen Matt's guide, which is amazing. I think that's really the key of you guys are clearly, I think, wanting to make it as easy as possible to kind of hold folks' hands through, okay, we're helping you capture the data. Now we're actually telling you how you can leverage it in some of our major partnerships with platforms like Clavio, who is so, like you said, it's a beast. It's so powerful for folks on Shopify. I've leveraged it. I'm a Clavio partner. So can't say enough good things. I was going to also add, there's, I was going to also add that there's like, you know, that's like even just the big beginning. There's some super awesome stuff that really increases. And like, there's awesome partners like you all that get going deep and like do some like super detailed things. This also helps with really helping your brand stand out against the competition because this is just like your opportunity to build the relationship. And I'll, again, real world example, if you're talking to somebody and it sounds like they're just generically talking to you and they're just like, yeah, hey, I really value you and your friendship. Gonna be like, no, but they're like, I remember you said X and Y, and uh, I'm all I'm interested in at Z, or like I actually have something that can go and help for them. That kind of interaction is going to be remembered a lot more, especially with the amount of products that are being thrown at consumers these days. You need that edge, and you need to protect yourself from all the data, the third party data going away over the next couple of years because that's already started to happen. It's no longer. We can't be lazy as marketers anymore and rely on singular tactics. And I think that's what this past year has really shown us, for better or worse, in a lot of ways, not just social and societal changes, but of course, technology shifts with iOS 14, iOS 15. I mean, marketers, especially email marketers, we're like, oh, we're, we're protected from iOS 14. It's fine. Like, we're emails going to work. People are going to open the emails. We can track opens. And then it became, oh, shit. How do we know if what we're doing is successful if one of our key metrics is no longer that source of truth? And the answer, of course, is it shouldn't be. You shouldn't be relying on any one singular metric to say this is this is successful or unsuccessful. And I think what you're referencing is the importance of like building out a true relationship building strategy and not just those singular tactics of like, yep, sent the email, put the first name in it. Yes, you know, we, we got the, some of the product recommendations right, but maybe it's not that next level of like, 
actually using more of that granular data to provide that curated relationship building experience. Yeah. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's, it's a, it's a, the personalized experience is the future and brands are going to choose, the consumers are going to choose brands based off of, do they actually understand and are they actually helping me with what I'm trying to do or what I'm trying to buy? Can you say a little bit more? So we're talking a lot about conversational commerce in the present because it is fairly new. I really, I think it is a kind of a hot buzzword for lack of a better thing over the last year and folks are getting, you know, more comfortable with it. Obviously, Postscript uh, is a big cornerstone of the product they're building. And then, of course, what you guys have adopted at Octane AI in terms of conversational pop-ups. But what is the next evolution of that? So, you know, capturing the data, using the data. But where do you really see this going in the future? Or where do you want to see it going? So, you know, my first inclination was to say Metaverse, AI, NFT, blockchain. Can I fit any more buzzwords in? Uh <laughs> No, no, no. Like, there's there's cool stuff and all that, but the, I don't think that's the relevant answer here. The relevant answer is like, look, the biggest brands out there, let's talk about like Amazon. Their secret is they have a stupendous amount of data. They can personalize everything from the like products they recommend to what the experience you get on the website is to all sorts of other things. And that's been a big advantage for them. But... And the only way to compete with that is to have your own data and not to give it to somebody else, a third party. And if you have enough data and you have a platform that has enough data, like we do, we have hundreds of millions of data points on all these super interesting, like, you know, all this thing, all these different, like, personal preferences. There's some super interesting things that you can do on the artificial intelligence side. There's some super interesting things you can do to help understand your customers better and more proactively and to make even more automated recommendations build quizzes automatically, all sorts of super interesting things. But the only way for you to be able to do it is to be collecting data now. Even if you're not using the data tomorrow, you might be using the data next year or the year after. And if you don't have the data, you can't do some of these things. I do think that that data is going to be the cornerstone of the best and the fastest growing brands in the space in the next couple of years, because they're going to leverage that to like have insight to what the customers nobody else has, to figure out what their needs are, to predict which customers are going to be, you know, the longtime loyal customers and maybe automatically like sell them subscription or bring them into the VIP tent or something like that. Those are all things that will happen, I think, over the next couple of years. But you have to have the data to do it. And data is like the central piece. And that's like kind of like a centerpiece, like helping our customers build and own their own like data. I want to ask kind of a big question. And this one came to me <laughs> because... I think we see, you know, this is really getting a little bit more existential of what are the risks here with with this kind of premise of data? Because I think we're trying to draw, I think, a clear line between we're saying, okay, third party data, not good. Stop relying on it. Um, Consumers think it's creepy. We as marketers, I think, Mm -hmm. and folks that work in the space understand it's not as creepy as it sounds. A lot of it's anonymized. You know, it's just it's just how we operate. But consumers are getting smart, and that is why companies like Apple and Facebook are putting privacy at the forefront. You know, I'm sure there's there could be ulterior motives there. But consumers are saying, hey, we want to move towards less tracking of our data. We are going to be much more selective in the data that we give out. But then we're having these conversations, and I, I believe in this side, too, of there's good data. There's good ways to leverage it. So I'm curious on your perspective of Where's the risk? Where's that boundary between how we're capturing the data and ultimately how we're using that data? I mean, the big 
big risk is, is what you need to do, no matter what, is give your customers choice and to be explicit with the opt-ins, right? It's being like, look, you know, like, I understand that, like, I'm taking this thing and that you're going to provide personalized recommendations, you know, I'm cool with that. And there's a lot of people who are, most people, if they have the explicit ability to say yes, right, which has been a problem with third-party data, there hasn't been opportunities to explicitly say yes. Uh, Apple did do a good thing, I think, to give users the ability to say yes or no. It has had the un- maybe the maybe unintended consequence. I've heard a bunch of small businesses with their ads and things like that, but a conversational pop-up, a quiz, a guide shopping experience, any of these, like zero-party data, anything, these explicit by its very nature. It's like, I am asking you direct questions. And Pern will give you these recommendations and these things. And making it easy, too, for people to go and opt out if they want to. What the result can be done right is, like, instead of having to send 10 emails blasting everybody, it could be one or two, but they're going to convert a lot better and consumers are going to be a lot happier. So I think the it's only a risk if you are not being explicit in the opt-in and you don't have that kind of language. That's one of the nice things about zero-party data marketing. It is, it is direct and it is upfront. Yeah, I appreciate that perspective a lot. I think it comes down to the transparency around what we're doing with that data. We talked to Val Geisler a little bit about that. That kind of comes back to those consumer expectations, right? Of like, you asked me all these questions. I, I, I willingly offered up my information. But if you're, if you don't set that, you know, that tone of here's, here's how we're going to use this data. And then you meet that expectation that's been set. That's where I think that mismatches. Um, so I really appreciate that response. I think it's, it all comes down to the transparency. And then it's our job as marketers to live up to these expectations that our consumers have of us to, to use that data in a really helpful and valuable way for them. Sometimes just a complete aside, I think Val and I are kind of like on like reflections in the same mirror sometimes because I think we're both on the like we both see the trend. And like, that's like why Octane and Clavia worked, you know, we worked so often together, so well together. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually teaching a course for Shopify with, uh, one of the, one of the people at Clavio tonight at Shopify's, uh, LA venue. So doing all this stuff to provide more education. I'm just, I'm just doing education all day long, but it's a good thing because it's a whole new world. Like all this data privacy pieces, like there's been trends, but the iOS stuff only happened like six months ago and it's new. we're still adapting and third-party cookies are going to go away and Google is going to eventually take them away. And that's going to be an even bigger earthquake in the ecosystem. And so this is why you have to prepare now by collecting data now. We're future-proofing. We're future-proofing um, our strategies mm-hmm. as marketers. And I think to your point about it being so new, it's new, but we on the marketing side had basically a heads up. Like we knew these changes were coming. We had time to unpack what that meant. And of course, adapt as marketers, as business owners, as, you know, owners of staff solutions in the space. But for consumers, it's still even more new because not everyone has updated to some of those operating systems as, you know, devices change. Obviously with iOS 15 changes as well, we are still waiting for consumers to kind of catch up to where we are. And I think the education piece is really important. Like we have to be educated on the marketing and the brand side so we can better articulate and educate consumers around what's happening so they don't think it's creepy. So they understand like, yeah, we still want to capture this data, but we want to do it because we don't have we don't have malicious intent. We're trying to provide these positive experiences. I think we're going to have to do some hard work to, to change that narrative. Yeah. I mean, it's one other stat just because we were talking about it. Like, uh, do you know what percentage of people have opted out of data tracking um, on iOS 14.5? 
Isn't it like 95? Isn't it really high? It is 98. It's 96%. It's 96% have opted out. You know, and you're right. More people are opting out all the time as they upgrade their phones, they upgrade. And so what that actually means is that the data set that Facebook and others have is actually getting progressively worse and less relevant, which means that the ad targeting is less relevant, especially for retargeting ads. There's like a whole thing here. And like, yeah, obviously, like the reason it's now meta is in part because they know that the advertising long term is not going to be... It may not even be there in the same way, especially with like mm-hmm. cookies, third party cookies going away. And so that's why you're hearing more about metaverses and all that sort of thing. They're also like, you know, like we have to go and take control. We have to go and like build our own ecosystem. You know, some similar lessons to be learned from e-commerce brands and brands in general. Collect your own data, build your own ecosystem, build your own community, focus on retention, focus on, you know, converting customers to your email and SMS list the first time they land instead of the 10th time. Lots of lessons. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. I think we we are going to see a really big paradigm shift in the ecosystem. It's already there. <laughs> we're just we're at the precipice of it. I want to lighten things up a little bit, and I know you've you've given a couple of examples from some brands, but I'm yeah, there you go. I am curious just from your personal experience, and these can be Octane AI customers or just brands that you really think are doing conversational commerce right. So I'm just curious, like if there's brands that really have stood out to you that have provided you with a great experience or unique examples of folks using these conversational data collection approaches that, you know, have impressed you. I mentioned a couple already, like Hunter and Gather and Doe Lashes. Glennetics, another good example. I think they have five live quizzes for like different verticals and categories and they're a huge company. Mm. And they use it to like give the recommendations to like you're looking for lashes, you're looking for nails, you're looking for whichever other style product. And they have different conversational experiences for each and every one. And they're starting to personalize the emails that they send out. It, there's some cool, like, Carl Smith, I think maybe, like, a giant portion of the revenue comes to us. And they have they have a great conversational pop-up. They have a great, like, beautiful quiz experience. There's one Open Farm Pet. Like, you can see some beautiful ones. Open Farm Pet is a super beautiful experience that looks, like, again, these like, you don't have to do any coding but it looks and feels like the website because it's integrated into it. And it has like beautiful little gifts, which by the way, gifts and images as answers do convert better. People are more likely to answer. So that's like one immediate thing you can go and do. There's like some, a ton of super beautiful ones, but that's like a couple examples that like come to mind. I think again, like we're in the early stages of people personalizing their email and SMS using this data. And that's something we're really trying to be at the forefront of and bring more stores into. So Definitely come stores more do that. Go and personalize your email and use that zero party data that you are collecting or start collecting it so you can do it. Oh, how amazing. I think so. I think email officially just turned 50, if I'm not mistaken, like last week. I think it's this month. It has been around for 50 years. Not, of course, exactly in the the way that we see it today, but really even over the last decade, it hasn't changed all that much, which I I find really fascinating. And also why I am such a big proponent of SMS as a complement to email, because I think it's showing us a lot of the things that email has tried to do for a while. And for whatever reason, it's technically difficult. It's not as conversational of a channel sometimes email, I mean, but for SMS, like I think it is kind of painting this this new future of hey, we can make it more conversational. We can use a lot of our learnings, but also try new things. So I think to your point of like, hey, start doing these things is amazing, but so funny that we're we're just now having these conversations. Like we're just scratching the surface on channels that have been available to us largely for a long period of time. So I'm excited to see what the future holds. 
And we're coming up on the top of the the hour here, the end of the hour. And something we love to do with all of our guests as well is kind of just give you the floor. If there's any other tidbits or tangents you want to go on in terms of conversational commerce, conversational pop-ups, data, privacy, whatever that is for you that you want to leave for our listeners, the floor is yours. We'd love to hear any other insights you want to leave with us. So I would like to teach a 15-part course in the platypus. So if you could give me another two hours, I will go and give you all sorts of facts about one of the most interesting animals. Not koalas, because koalas, you know, are not very smart creatures, even though they're adorable. Uh, well, look, really, like, I think I've said most everything, actually. The importance of collecting and leveraging this data is is paramount now. And we're, like, building more tools to help go and do that. Start with a conversational pop-up. It takes five minutes. Just get that set up. And then, you know, go build a quiz and, like, build even a simple version before you build your more complex version. You just have to go and, like, like my big message is get started. And so, like, on Octania.com, we actually built our own quiz. We're eating our own dog food to, like, you know, help our customers figure out what the ROI they're likely to get with conversational pop-ups and quizzes and, frankly, like zero-party data marketing in general. And, like, the step-by-step of, like, how to get that started. I think we're building something that is becoming, you know, a true partner for our customers with data collection and a data platform for both collecting this data and helping customers along the way and leveraging it for this new world of personalization that is coming and is inevitable. And so that's really my piece. Go get started. Go start doing it. Start yesterday. Get your conversational pop-up up. Get your quiz up. Like You need to be doing those things. Connect it to your emails. Start sending personalized text messages. Do it now. Amazing. I love that. I have nothing else to say to that point. I think you summed it up beautifully. So Ben, we are so grateful that you took the time to chat with us today. Really stoked about everything that you folks at Octane AI are doing to help build this conversational commerce ecosystem. So tell us where can folks find you if they want to follow along on Octane AI's journey or hear more about your insights around zero party data um, and privacy. At OctaneAI, O-C-T-A-N-E-A-I.com. I should have mentioned more things like we want a Shopify's best storefront app. Or one more quiz I have to mention, since I have a chat, is Shopify's quiz. If you go to their hardware store, they have an OctaneAI quiz. It helps you figure out which uh, POS and point of sale soft, like hardware to go and buy. So even Shopify is a customer of ours. At OctaneAI on all the social networks. And I'm at Ben Parr, B-E-N-P-A-R-R, on every social network. You should also follow my co-founder, Matt, on Twitter, at MattPRD, or even his TikTok, although he hasn't posted recently. He has 800,000 followers on TikTok, funny enough. Most people don't know that. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I follow you both on Twitter. Um, big fan of Matt as well. So that is amazing. Yep, you heard it here. Definitely go check these folks out on TikTok. But Ben, thank you again so much for taking the time to chat with us. Really excited to see how Octane AI keeps evolving. And thank you for your contributions to making conversational commerce possible. Ooh, thank you for having me. Thanks, Ben. Take care. Everyone else, talk to you guys next week on the next episode. Thank you. As we wrap up today's episode, another shout out to our sponsor, Postscript, the leader in SMS marketing for Shopify and Shopify Plus brands. If you're not already using Postscript, be sure to check out their free 30-day trial. That's right, 30 full days, an entire calendar month for free. We've heard some brands have made over $100,000 during their free trial, so don't sleep on this. For your 30-day free trial, check out the link in our show notes or visit postscript.io. Again, that's postscript.io. 
to start your free trial today.